baby, baby. Ooh, baby, baby. Oh, real quick. This is now a snacks podcast. Have you been eating these poppables? Have you had a poppable yet? No. Oh, dude. Lay's has a, it's a new potato chip that's been air popped. It's called poppables. They're like little waffle fries, but I, I don't even know how to describe them. Like little ovals, and they're hollow on the inside, but they have like little waffles all throughout them, and they're all seasoned to perfection. Is this an ad read right now? Hell yeah. Lay's now sponsors this podcast. Look out. Crunch throughout. Not really, but I'm going to eat a million of them. Welcome to Chop Belker, stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. He is Nathan. And today we're going to do uh, kind of whatever we feel like. You know, this episode's like jazz. Just kind of... yeah. Yeah, I'm Whatever sorry. It took, me, it took me a while to say my name because I was thinking about how much I hate Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. <laughs> I mean, that is the I most just, Nathan sentence I've heard in I a while. I just hate it so much. Like, I was thinking about, do I hate The Metamorphosis more or less than I hate Tim Tebow? And it's less, but it's like, not by a lot <laughs> less. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so we're going to do a quick like mid-season snapshot. And I apologize. I, I doubt this episode will be as in-depth as you want it to be. We're going to do our very best. But, you know, bye weeks are weird. And we're coming in off of a, uh, we took a break last week, which we had a lot of momentum going into this, uh, you know, through this season. We're 18 episodes deep. And so we got a good rhythm going and we decided to take a break. And we needed a break because both of us had our heads straight up our asses about podcasts. I'm speaking for us both. Really, I just speak for me. Uh, I had my head yeah. way too high up there, <laughs> and I came out. Well, and I was like, just, oh, I have other it's friends. Hard, it's hard to. We we needed to be with our families, like, and that's the lamest excuse. But it is it it's is true, it though. is really true. Like, yeah. I needed to be around my wife. You needed to be around your wife. You needed to be around your wife's family, etc. Um, and you know, you know, we had a good break. Um, so now, now we're back. We're ready to give you some of that bullshit that you really love from us. What'd you do over the weekend? I watched a lot of football. I watched Ohio State lose to Purdue and oh, cackled yes. madly Oof. about karma. Uh, I mean, Dharma is actually the 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 Buddhist concept of like you getting what's coming to you, but uh, karma. It's I mean, it's slightly different. But I, I thought about right path and right action and how uh, the Bodhisattva teaches us that um, you know right actions and right thoughts leave lead to lead to you know li- living the eightfold path. And how how some people have gotten off of that eightfold path, and um, yeah, they get what they they got what they had coming to them. Oh, and then sure. you sent me like a an eight minute long video of just Urban Meyer reacting badly to the loss, <laughs> and God, it felt so good. Um, I watched LSU Mississippi State, and that was really interesting because the whole time. So I decided last weekend uh, LSU used to be like my favorite uh, non UGA SEC team, and mm-hmm. then I decided I hate them forever because um, I'm fickle like that, and. <laughs> Um, there was this like 10 second moment in the end of the LSU game where it was very clear that LSU was going to win, but then they just kind of like self-destructed, right? Like Devin White got kicked out of the game and they had like 45 yards of penalties on one play. Um, and you know, you never want to see someone miss the first half of a game, but man, man, do you want to see, man, do you want to see that person if they have to be missed the first half against Alabama? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the here's my thing about LSU. I've been thinking about it. LSU whipped our ass. Like, there's no getting around that. Like, 
they they embarrassed us last week and they you know they very well could be a better team than us but lsu's projections in the sort of like traditional uh you know non-statistical analysis side of the sport of sports broadcasting are way over inflated by the fact that frankly they're just lucky and they play a high margin game they have an opportunity to defense but their offense is bad they're just bad and yeah i know they put up like 36 on us or whatever and that just means our defense had a bad day because their offense is objectively bad um but and i really like like I really think that math bats last, like statistics and probability that they get the last they get the last shot at everything. And the, nothing makes me happier than when 2018 Alabama, who might as well be the effing Grim Reaper, uh-huh. or get to be the people that bat last <laughs> on things. 2000, 2018 Alabama might as well just be like, oh god, what's the Greek god of death? He was like the original re- Reaper, Thanatos. Yeah, they might as they might as well just be Thanatos. Like they just reap souls. All everyone's Alabama is the scythe, and everyone's everyone's soul is the threshing. And they just and it's going to be so fun to watch that happen to LSU. And yeah, sure, if we play Alabama, they're going to beat the crap out of us too, and that's fine. But we I'm all okay know with that. Yeah. We all know that. I'm so excited for two weeks from now when you get the like game of the century part eight, and Alabama wins like. Alabama wins the most convincing the most convincing 2710 game in the history of 2710 games. I'm so excited for that. We're like it's a 17 point game and like God will come down from the heavens before LSU wins. I'm <laughs> God, I'm so excited. It's going to be a very also, good game. I also think that there's like there's like a there's like a tail that's inside of the confidence band in the tail of the confidence band, like the night outside of the 80% confidence band and the 60% confidence band for that game. There's definitely a tale where like Alabama wins like 53 to 30 and Nick Saban is so angry. <laughs> so, and it's like 53 to 30, but they get six points in the fourth quarter. Cause it, so it was like 53 to 24 all the way through the third and fourth quarter. And Nick Saban is just so furious. Yeah, but other than uh, I watched, I watched a lot of football games, yep. and then I read four books. Four books? Yeah. Which books? Jeez. I read through Will Wright's Unsold series. It's uh-huh. like a sci-fi slash kung fu novel that has like influences from Wuji Chinese light light novels and kung fu novels. And I took a, a novel in the kung fu <laughs> class in college, and I've always loved karate no- or kung fu novels. So like reading like sort of a um classical western science fiction novel but using like chinese uh kung fu tropes is amazing and so i'd read the i read the first two last week and i guess i only read three this weekend did you say so will wright is in like the guy who made like spore no 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 no, totally different different. (laughs) because when he said will was like oh yeah will wright author is just this guy he went to like ucf and he wrote this series called The Traveler's Gate, which is like a super anime fantasy series. I mean, it's not really anime, but in terms of like um, sort of feel it is like Will Wright's thing is I'm pretty sure he's read like a lot of Chinese and Japanese light novels and a lot of Kung Fu novels. And the whole thing about that genre is that they are you just sent me a Will Wright tech talk. <laughs> about sport god i hate really? sport so I, I, much i didn't want you to see like I, I don't care about the ted talk i really just wanted you to see what he's wearing at this ted talk it's like um it's like a zip up vest it's like an old navy vest without sleeves with no shirt under it like it's fleece season y'all but you don't get sleeves for this one what is he thinking i don't know he thinks he's very masculine anyway but yeah um but yeah will write or no i'm sorry it's not will Wright. it's will white there we go W-I-G-H-T. that's the difference that's the difference 
Yeah, but Will White, look him up. Great fantasy author. If you like your power levels just like scaled up to hell, um, then you need to leave, then you need to read Will White. If you've ever read fantasy or science fiction and just thought, man, wouldn't it be fun if one of these guys could just like punch the sun to death? <laughs> then then you need to read Will White. Uh, so what'd you do over the weekend? I went uh, off the grid and I went camping. We went way off the grid and went up to Lake Rabin Beach Campgrounds and camped with Anna and her family. And it was wonderful. We went uh, hiking up to Panther Falls and um, came back and just made a bunch of food and sat around and read a bunch. I finished a book. I only read one book. Uh, but What book did you read? I read Cherry by Nico Walker. I never read uh, that. What is that about? It's a brand new book. It just came out this year. And it's this guy who... It's a pretty tragic book, but it's it's really interesting the way he kind of writes from his perspective. But it's this guy who became a heroin addict and joined the army and then came back and became like a deeper heroin addict and had all these terrible things happen to him. But the way the book's written is really interesting to where like he has a really firm grasp on his perspective in the beginning of the book. And it tells this like really intricate story of uh, addiction and... um just kind of what goes on in an addict's head as time continues and goes on and passes by. Is, and this, how much uh, just... is this nonfiction? So he says it's fiction, but the part of the book, like the main character is very much him. And I think there are pieces of it that are fictional, but I think that it's pretty close to real life because the guy who wrote it is in jail for all of the crimes that the main character committed. So who's to say? <laughs> Damn. The guy wrote it from jail, and it's it's just a really neat way. The, the the way he ended up writing it and the way it was edited, it was edited very, very well to just kind of um, display that that like piece-by-piece piece spiral into almost nothingness. And it, it's told from a much more lighter perspective, but you can kind of tell, like, if you go, like, a level deeper than how he's writing, you get that feeling. You're like, oh, this is about this person's complete like decimation mm. and disconnect so from humanity. It's like, um, it's like, is it similar to the experience of watching Requiem for a dream where you finish it and you're like, that was worthwhile. I'm never doing that again. It's not, nothing is as dark as Requiem for a dream. Well, yeah, obviously that's impossible, but, but you yeah, know, the very feeling similar. of like, I'm glad I did that, but also I'm never doing it again ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to that feeling, but that, that's the book I read. I, I went to second and Charles and I asked for, I said, do you have any heist books? And they said, yes, this is a heist book, because he robs banks in the book. And I was like, great, I'll give it I, a try. Is that a heist book? <laughs> it's not a heist book. Not That's at all. a book about falling into heroin addiction. <laughs> yeah, it is not a heist book in the least bit. And so I'm going to go That's back and get my book. money. No, hey, hold on. No, no, you want a heist book? Read Neuromancer by William Gibson. I'm, no, mother I might come to your house right now. I have like six copies of this book. It's literally so the, it's the most imp- it's the most important book in my life. I've read this copy like 35 times. I have a first edition pressing of it. No, you can't Ooh. have that one. But I do have like, I have a copy that I wrote on in my science fiction class in college, which was like the sixth time I had read that book. Okay. I will dread. Uh, oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. Justin, <laughs> Justin, Neuromancer. It's so important to me. Okay. I cannot. I'll read Neuromancer. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, my God. I'll bring you this book. There's so much. I have so many. I have so much to teach you. About, <laughs> so much to tell me <laughs> about cyberpunk and like the like the the interaction of genre and aesthetic and like um, you know the birth of transhumanism and and like cyberpunk in the the history of critical race theory and critical and you know like uh, queer theory and it's like failure. Uh, there's so much. There's so much to say. God, I'm looking forward to it. But that was my All weekend. Right. And yeah. my next weekend will involve Florida, the Wild Rumpus, and Neuromancer, apparently. 
Yeah, hell yeah, it will. You want to know what my <laughs> next weekend will involve? What? Florida. Yep. Just Florida. Actually, so I'm taking Thursday and Friday off. Um, and then we're going to go down there early. The band gets down there Friday afternoon, but me and a couple of friends on the band staff and my wife are going to uh, drive down there early and get an Airbnb and just sort of like treat ourselves to a night on the, you know, yeah. around St. Augustine. So it's very exciting. St. Augustine's but, awesome. Yeah, it is. It's very fun. Until I get down there, what my night is going to consist of is my week is just going to consist of hating Florida. So speaking of which, let's uh, let's get into the actual football. I, okay. Just for the record, I'm currently like 30 minutes into recording, and I'm pretty sure we <laughs> we synced up like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, that I was 15 true. minutes of book talk. I've got a lot to say about books. If anyone ever wants to just, if anybody was wondering, if you come up to me and say, "Oh, are you the Chapel Bell Court guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you." And then if you say, "Hey, are you the Chapel Bell Curve guy?" Papas. Do you want to talk about like postmodern theory? Then, like, I'll be very excited. And he'll reach into his phone and cancel everything on his calendar for the rest of the day. Also, while you're in St. Augustine, while you're in St. Augustine, if you have time, you should go to Osteen's. Okay, see, I, we've been, I've had 10 people telling me that. And apparently, the problem with, the only problem with Osteen's is that like it's always busy. Oh, yeah. So this is the, this is a trick. It opens at 11 every day. You get there uh-huh. at 10 30, you wait in line. You'll wait in line. Maybe till 11.30. But what's cool about it is while you're waiting in line, you can go to the antique store right next door, and the host stand is piped into the antique store. And so they'll call your name while you're waiting and antiquing, which is the best. <laughs> mm, maybe that's that's going to be our, our our Friday morning. Yeah. You just got to get I've there half an that hour the early. the shrimp is the way to go. Yes. Get the, the butterfly shrimp. shrimp. There are two dudes who have been the chefs for like the last 30 years who just make butterfly shrimp all day. Really? They just like wake up, go to work. I think they wake up like in front of the fryers and they're just ready to go. But yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible and it's worth it. And it's right there on the coast. Maybe that'll be that'll be the Friday morning plan. Let's talk about football for a little while before this thing gets derailed again. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna get derailed <laughs> like a good thirty five times. Wait, I'm gonna throw another disclaimer in there and just let everybody know that this is not a stats heavy episode. This is yeah. the mid season snapshot. So, mid-season. Let's talk about where the... Sub- where. So, I want to focus the subjective narrative. We're going to still kind of try to follow our basic... Um, a very loose version of our basic outline that we normally do on the Tuesday show. So, let's talk about the subjective narratives. And what I want to focus on is not the subjective narrative, it's about the Florida game, but where is this fan base right now? Where are we? Where are we as a fan base? So, what are you hearing, Justin? What are you seeing? What do you think about uh, where we are as a fan base as of right now? October 22nd, 18. Uh, um, so I'm just going to do, I'm going to practice something real quick. I'm going to Google UGA football news. And this actually is kind of a fun idea. <laughs> I'm just going to read off a few of the article titles real quick to you of the most recent uh, articles that I can find when Googling UGA football news. So Georgia football practice report, quote, peaking bulldogs focus on Florida. They caused problems for everyone they've played, Smart says of LSU. Jake Fromm's bad day and Georgia's sensitive quarterback situation. By the numbers, criticism of Jake Fromm is probably overstated. I like that one. That one's very good. Those are just a few things. But the things that I didn't see that I have been seeing are things like, of course, the, the fir- very first one, peaking Bulldogs. The, Georg- the Bulldogs have peaked. Like, this is the best it'll get. This is all you get to see. This is as good as you'll see for the entire season. You know, don't don't count your your chickens right now they've already had or you can count your chickens right now i guess they're already hatched kind of thing and so that's what i'm seeing a lot of i have some of my own opinions based off of just stats and everything and and kind of what the rest of our season looks like 
there's some margin of error in there in those opinions based off of you know what we can kind of see from the rest of the season but what are you seeing how do you feel about any of those things i just spewed out to you i think that a lot of where we are is just like existential i mean just like nervousness and i think you know here's the thing we're pro- you know i don't think this is de- is definitely a I don't think this is a CFP team. I think this is a team whose like best case scenario is college football playoff. Um, and I think that we are definitely at the point in the season where the rubber meets the road or whatever cliche you want to use. And this team has to decide how good it's going to be. And the next three or four games are going to determine whether or not this is a good season where we go to a good bowl and we go 10 and two and everyone's satisfied or everyone's very unsatisfied, even though we've had a better season than most teams, or if this is another special season. And so that's really the question. And I think that that's what these, you know, with one more loss on the schedule, there's doubt of whether we go, you know, it starts to get tricky whether or not we go to Atlanta, right? If you go to Atlanta and even if you lose, I think if you go to Atlanta, even with two losses, even if you lose, if you can keep it competitive and go to a good bowl game, you're probably fine. But I think that, you know, most most UGA fans would not agree. And so I, I definitely think that, I think that's what a lot of the worry boils down to is like, are we going to lose again? Yep. And I think there is definitely a world in which Georgia does lose again. I think there is definitely a timeline and some arguments to say that we could definitely lose again in the next two games. I think that our chance of losing is much greater against Florida than it is against Kentucky, but we can talk about that in our Florida episode. But then again, I also think there's a world in which Alabama loses to any of the next, you know, three of the next four games they play. They play against LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn, you know, to, to end up the season. And there are definitely chances of them losing to any of those three teams. I think that it's highly improbable, and the stats back that up, but it was highly improbable that we lost to LSU, and it happened. College football is a world where anything can happen any given week, and there is always a margin for error that is not necessarily built into stats. And so that's the only piece that we can't predict, unfortunately. But that wasn't very comforting, I know. It's kind of the reality in which we live. I mean, and it's it, it, it all boils down to what is this year going to be? be i mean i think part of the problem is that last year was a special set of coincidences and we were a year early and that puts everything up and now it's like well we thought we were a year early but maybe last year was the year and now we're gonna have like a quote-unquote down year where we win 10 games or whatever and so it's it's just tough like the the problem that i think a lot of the worry is that what is going to be what is going to happen is if we lose another game this is going to turn into one of those narratives of like well, why did we even fire Mark Richt? Even though that really ignores the whole process and the change that this program has undergone if you just look at wins and losses. But that's what people are going to do. And I think that's the concern. It's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. Right? They're going to see the still, record. Uh, per SNP Plus right now, we have a 69% chance of, lo- of ending with either 10 or 11 wins. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's... And then probably going to the Sugar Bowl. And that's pretty good. We'll play... projected to play a very good Texas team. A lot of people, oh, another narrative right now that people are talking about is that this year is exactly like last year because we lost to LSU, LSU could beat Alabama, and then we would end up potentially seeing LSU in the SEC championship, and we would get another shot at that. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that will happen. There are too many many ifs for that to happen at this point. I just don't think LSU is good enough to beat Alabama. I don't know if anyone's beating Alabama. LSU probably will slow Alabama down the most that any team has, but I just don't know. I just don't know if LSU has the ability to score on anyone who no. has like an Alabama level defense, even though their defense is not as good as it has been. No, and and LSU definitely does not. They're going to get outcoached. Alabama will outcoach LSU on every 
aspect of the game. Another Probably. of my opinions. It'll be a good game to watch, though. I will say that. And that'll be good. What about... I guess, do you want to go through the next few games? Just a quick snapshot of each one, or what do you think? Yeah, so coming up, um, we've got... So if we look at the rest of the schedule, right? And that, this is actually interesting today. So I'm going to use S&P Plus Win Production to talk you through this. So we've got... the, ne- the, the Basically, the th- next three games are going to define the season. You've got number 14 S&P Plus ranked Florida, which is projected as a 6.3 point win. You've got number 28 S&P Plus... Uh, ranked Kentucky, which is projected as an 8.1 point win. And you've got number 17, S&P Plus Auburn, which is projected as a 9.6 point win. So that those are win probabilities of 64%, 68%, and 71%. You know, the problem is for people, for us to have the season that people want, right? People's unrealistic floor for this ceiling for this season um for the for us to have the season they want we have to go three and zero in those games and that's going to be tough right if you have 64 percent 68 percent 71 percent between those three there's a loss in there like at the end of the year at the end of the um, basically by the auburn games we are projected to have eight cumulative wins which basically means we lose we go two and one in those and you know it's frustrating i know but like I think people need to it's there's a difference between lowering your expectations, I think, and saying that, you know, maybe we were wrong about what our expectations were. Right. What we should expect to be able to compete for championships. But I don't know what anyone has seen this season with the youth of this team and with how far this team has grown. That makes you think that going forward, we won't be projecting. We won't be competing for championships. Right. I think that I mean, this is the part of the show where I guess if I weren't lazy and were more organized i could go back to our preseason shows and like work in clips of when we both said like this is this will not be the same season this will be a very different season and then everyone got super excited with how well we were playing and defeating all these teams at the very beginning of the season and it we got way 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 ahead of ourselves and that's okay that's very fun that's the point of football like the point of football is to get excited about it it's something we all love we're all passionate about and that's why we do this. And that's why we, we want to sit here and watch this silly game with the oblong ball. But the point of it is, like, the losing makes the winning worth it. Right. It puts it well, in perspective. I mean, Without the losing, yeah, you wouldn't have the winning. Yeah. And you're not going to... I mean, my whole thing is, like, we are not at Alabama's level right now. But I think that we can see signs, even in this team, which has been disappointing at times this season. I mean, LSU. You can see signs of a team that's going to be very good going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to lose DeAndre Baker, but you have Tyson Campbell. We're going to lose this guy, but you get that guy, right? Our offensive line is going to get way better. We're going to lose Terry Godwin, but we have Michael Hardman, and we have Dominic Blaylock, and maybe Jaden Hazelwood coming in next year. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like there's so many places where this team is just going to continue to improve. And I think, you know, you can't you can't discount that. And, and you know, we I had this big rant about, like, why are you a fan? Like, what, what do you care about these games? And, look, I'm not going to act like I don't care about winning because I really, really do care about winning. I love to win. But I also think you have to acknowledge that, like, you know, sometimes you just don't play well, right? Sometimes sometimes your your team just has a bad day and we, there are so few opportunities to play this game each year you only get 12 shots at it that it's very hard to be perfectly successful it's actually not just very hard it's got it's it's damn near impossible to be perfectly successful at playing this game <sighs> it sucks talking about sad stuff bad stuff well i i don't i don't think it, it doesn't really make me sad i think it's just more about like 
you can you have to learn to enjoy a team that does not win 12 games a year because that's not how college football works no it's not and just because like alabama fans think that that's how college football works that's how college football has worked once in the history of college football ever which is how it is how much more of a snapshot do we need to do we didn't really do much of a deep dive. I mean, we, we, okay, so here's the thing. We've talked about stats. Yep. I'll add ad nauseum this year. The stats are still what they are, right? Are, you know, I would say at this point in the year that the biggest thing that's changed since last week or since the LSU game is that our um, defense of explosiveness has gone from one to eight and 16, basically. Uh, we're still not very efficient at defending, at, and we're not we're not a very efficient defense. But we've gotten rel- a lot better about marginal efficiency. Our success rate is still way too low. We're still very a very efficient offense. We're still a very explosive offense. And you know, like I think one of the th- I think it is worth doing some deep diving and just thinking about like how good this team really is. Yeah. Right. Like because the whole point is, right, we, yeah, we got to break down those subjective narratives. So like, let's just look at the S and P plus like the top line stats because I think this is actually uh, informative of sort of how we're thinking about this team i mean like i'll go ahead and tell you i think there's a lot of angst there's a lot of nervousness about this game on saturday and a lot of people are worried that we're going to lose this game and while we certainly could and while you can't discount florida and i think it's going to be a close game right now georgia is fifth in the nation they're in the 96 percentile performance for teams this year they are currently sixth offensively and 24th defensively they are 13th on special teams that is a very good team florida if they are not should be just as afraid of playing us as we are of playing them Overconfidence on Florida's part is dumb because mm-hmm. the, this team is a team that could lose to Florida. We could eke out a win on Florida, but this team, if everything goes right, is very capable of whipping Florida's ass. And so you have to keep that in account. Like if you cannot get so down on a team that you forget what they're good at. And this Georgia team, when everything's clicking on offense, has one of the best offenses in the nation. And when everything's clicking on defense, sure, this defense is not what it was last year, but there's a lot of talent. There are a lot of four and five stars in these defense. And those guys make mistakes, and that's part of it. But you can't act like this team is not talented, and it would be stupid to do so. It's frustrating when your talented team underperforms, but you can't let that it let you that you can't let that make you ignore how good the team is to begin with. That's that's what I would say were my was my read of the numbers. Holy so what got, else were we talking about? I got distracted and I just clicked on the Fresno State Bulldogs and their S and P plus rank is ninth. Yeah, they're good. They've got a very good defense. They've been killing everyone. They have the eighth best defense by S and P plus. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. That's per S and P plus. That's better than Alabama's defense by twelve slots. Mm-hmm. Oof. They beat Idaho seventy nine to thirteen. Yeah. Well, that's the oh. thing. S and P plus. S&P Plus likes it when you take care of business, mm-hmm. and that's all Fresno State has done is just whipped people's asses. Yeah. Like, straight up and down the street. They've only lost to Minnesota, and Minnesota has been, was very good at the very okay. beginning of the season. They, yeah, they gave up 13 points over the last three games. Yeah. That's nuts. Dang, Fresno State. Dang. Da- yeah, dang. Uh, Fresno State is the ultimate, like, stop, stop, he's already dead team yeah. this year. <laughs> like, when they beat somebody, they beat the hell out of somebody. Okay, I'm sorry to get off. I, I got off into a weird, bizarre Bulldogs tangent. What else do we see from these stats? Let's look down to... Eh, eh, I mean, I like... I'm not going to be able to say anything that you haven't already said, honestly. Yeah. We're still a good team. We have been a good team. You know, I, I listen to podcasts and play nobody sometimes, and I'm like, man, I really wish we could talk about 25 teams. <laughs> yeah. As much as I, I love these, you know, I love UGA. I love the Bulldogs. But there's sometimes only so much you could say until you're like, I've already said it all. Yeah, I mean, I think there's not. Well, that, that's the thing is, like, we've got some little things that we're gonna do, little moments, to, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. questions we're gonna answer, but there's not really a lot to say about 
this team statistically that we haven't said. Mm-hmm. Off weeks suck. Yeah. So tell me the the last thing based off the stats we have seen though. Think what do you want to see for the rest of the season before we get into the rest of the segments? Uh better inside linebacker play. Yeah, that's that'd be nice. number one. I just want uh, better I... better play from the inside linebackers. Um, if we, if this team like we're gonna get right on offense, this this offense is not as bad as it looked against LSU. Um, and if this team just plays, you know, as a top fifteen defense as opposed to a top twenty four, um, it's gonna be we're gonna be fine. Yeah, I I really just want to hear people stop talking about how bad our run defense is, and that comes from exactly what you said. Like our our D line needs to get better, inside linebackers need to get better, and once that happens, our offense will will not lose so much momentum from being off the field so long, and teams won't be able to run the clock up on us uh, for so dang long if they they don't have so, uh, as much of a run offense. So that's kind of that's exactly yeah. That's one of the last pieces that really needs to fall into place. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think we'll get there. I think that uh, Jordan Davis seems to be coming along quite well as a as a defensive lineman. I think that Channing Tindall is going to start getting more play, and I think maybe we'll stop playing Jawan Taylor, who I like as a person, but probably shouldn't be playing right now. Yeah. All right. So this is the part where things will go back off the rails again. Uh, we're getting into our Ask CBC. Yeah, it's our favorite segment of the week. Ask CBC. <laughs> D-D-D. That's your, your jingle. Yeah. I did have somebody reach out and said, uh, I heard you guys need a jingle. Can I write a jingle for you? Hell <laughs> yes, you can write a jingle. Are you serious? Hey, but you better come correct with that. Yep. I got a lot of opinions about music, but I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. But don't screw Absolutely. it up. Uh, it was actually my friend Gabe's friend, and Gabe really enjoys it when I say his name on the podcast. So Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. Is Gabe the guy that was at... Um, uh, didn't we meet him at the G-Day game? Yes, you did meet Gabe at the G-Day game. He came with me. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, Gabe's great. Gabe uh, is a scientist of sorts as well, and he knows a lot yeah. about beer. Let's get into our very first Ask CBC with Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark said, can you play out some predictions for the rest of the season? He threw out three different pieces. He said, uh, wildest dream, realistic expectations, and three is hurt me. Okay, so... Can I give you my... I know you have fan fiction, but can I give you my wildest dream? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think the wildest dream is you just make it back to the national championship game. I, I, I don't think it's likely, but I think it's still on the table. I think sure. if you win out and you have a good showing and you play a close game against Alabama, which doesn't feel likely, you can, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger problem with doing that is not the lost LSU. I think the bigger problem with going back to the national championship uh, or to the CFP is the is just having to play Alabama in the SEC championship because yeah. I just think they're like historically good on offense and that's scary. They're so good. Also, if you guys haven't, I think I talked about it once before, but if, if folks haven't gone and looked at the 538 college football predictions spreadsheet, it is so much fun to play with. You should just go out there. Check it out. Click some buttons. So get so read me your fanfic. Get, let's log on to your AO3 account. Let's <laughs> log on to your fanfiction.net account. Um, let's read this uh, this slash fic about UGA. Okay, so my wildest dream. Here we go. So it turns out that in order to continue playing in the NFL and receive his paychecks, Todd Gurley has to return to college to finish his degree. Like Billy Madison. Just like Billy Madison. Yeah, exactly. You ruined the... No, no, I'm just kidding. You didn't ruin anything. Um, he has to come back to college and finish his degree. He, you know, somebody might at me and say, he already did. He already got this degree. He, he may have. I didn't look it up. That doesn't matter in my fan fiction world. Uh, he comes back and he runs for 250 yards each in the last five games of the regular season. And then somewhere along the line, Nick Saban gets a hold of some very sensitive information about Greg McGarity and he blackmails him. 
Greg McGarity has to go and uh, he starts saying to everybody in the media that uh, Greg McGarity has been giving Todd money this whole time just to spend while fulfilling the requirements of this challenge, which disqualifies him from his redemption story, of course. So Todd goes back to L.A. and does whatever dope he does in L.A. Um, he gets a call from Jake Fromm and says, like, Nick Saban's going to turn UGA into a JUCO pipe- pipeline for Alabama or something. Um, shut the whole school down. And so Todd comes back triumphantly to Atlanta, you know, just in time for the SEC championship game. Comes back to Atlanta. Alabama's beaten UGA, like, they're up 28 in the fourth. And Jake Fromm's hurt, and he leaves the game. And Justin Fields says, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I'm just a freshman. Uh, Matt Downing comes out into the field, and he's just ready to kind of run the clock out and, and end the season. And all of a sudden, you know, the lights dim. And we hear a, a wait from the tunnel. And the whole crowd, cha- you know, turns around. I think there's like 70,000 people in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it's like, oh my god, that's Todd's music. It's Todd- <laughs> that's his intro music. That's, his- that's Todd Gurley's intro music. He's coming out, and the crowd goes silent, and the lights dim, and somewhere a smoke machine emits a subtle cloud, and, you know, masking the entrance of uh, one Todd Gurley to the Mercedes-Benz field. He looks Nick Saban in the eyes from across the field as if to say, miss me? And he runs out on the field, and he rallies the dogs back in OT. And, uh, ba 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 Following the game in the post-game interview, he says something about CFP should be eight or 16 teams. He kind of says it all nonchalantly, and everyone kind of agrees. And they say, yeah, that sounds great. Todd Gurley decides he doesn't want to return to the NFL. Instead, he just retires a bulldog. Uh, He buys an island and invites all the world's orphans to live there with him as their collective father. And following his example, the rest of the world just kind of collectively shrugs and decides to end war forever. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. And then after that, University of Florida closes its doors forever. That's my wildest dreams. Realistic expectations. Uh, you know what? Hold on. Can I just say something? <laughs> yes. That's not the worst fan fiction I've ever read. No? All right. That, no. I, I did that in like three minutes right before I've we started. I've read some bad fan fiction, my friend. Um, so, uh, realistic expectations. Uh, realistic expectations. I think we go to the SEC championship. Uh, Having we, lost probably at least one more game. No, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, we. I can see us getting there by either losing... No more games up until the championship or losing against Florida and then Florida not because Florida lost to Kentucky. Kentucky. If we lose to Florida, we have to wait to for Florida to lose for someone else to lose to someone else. Yeah. So that's kind of what happens. Um, I, I, I could foresee us getting there, you know, 10 and two or 11 and one um, and then losing in the SEC championship because Alabama, it's not anything against us to say that we lose to Alabama this year because Alabama. Oh, yeah. Is, if, I mean. If we play Alabama, we're probably going to lose to them. This is I, not I a team just, I've ever I need seen. To prepare, I need to prepare you guys. Like We'd probably be projected to lose them by like 15, 18 points. It'll, I think it'll be a double-digit margin, yeah. yeah. That, they're very good. Their offense is absolutely absurd. Yeah, they're very good. And their defense is not as good as the most Alabama defenses, but it's still very good. Yeah, it won't matter. Ugh. And um, hurt me, we lose to Florida, Kentucky. We uh, Florida goes to the SEC Championship and beats Alabama. <laughs> no, you're not really hurting him. Let me hurt you. Go ahead. We lose to Florida. We eke it out against Kentucky and Massachusetts, and then we lose to Georgia Tech at home. Oof, that's hurting you. Oof. Yeah. I think we still beat UMass, but then we lose. What if we hold on? What if we lose Florida, beat Kentucky? Our hopes are still alive because Florida loses, and then we beat Auburn, and it's like a big deal, even though Auburn's bad. Yeah. And then can Paul, God, piece of Johnson, that mother, that fish frying son of a comes in here. <laughs> And runs like three plays out of his bullshit, dirty cut blocking offense, which should be illegal because most of the block, or not most of it, but many of the blocks in it are now legal and he's not having as much success, but whatever. And we lose to that <laughs> worst grandfather in the world asshole. Yeah, that's that's me hurting you, Ryan. If that happens, I'm going to have a rage stroke. 
And then we still go to the SEC championship, beat Alabama, and then don't get to the college football playoffs. But Alabama oh, still goes. Oh, oh man. And because Herb Street says, well, you know, to get into the college football playoffs, you have to not be Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a, a world none of us want to live in. Uh, Abby Vincent Key, hashtag AskCBC. If there was only one beer you were allowed to drink the rest of your life, which one would it be and why? This is such a hard question. It really is. Here's, here's why this is a difficult question. This Okay, so here's the thing. Is the answer the best beer you've ever had, right? Because no. like you have to you have to pick a beer that you can session. It has to be sessionable. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, if you're sure. going to drink it forever. Then what I don't do you know. Do? What, what is your answer? Automatic Paleo. <laughs> Pale uh, APA? Yeah, autom- uh, the automatic Paleo. Automatic. The automatic. Okay. I, that's what I just had I before th- we recorded as well. I think it might be Sierra Nevada Pale. Yeah, and that I, I, I it was a hard Here's the, here's the only me. thing. Automatic is a little more flavorful, and I don't mean that as a like cut at Sierra Nevada. That's not like a bad thing about Sierra Nevada. That's just like Sierra Nevada is just a very good like neutral, not neutral, but just it's balanced. It doesn't have it doesn't have quite the forward flavor that that automatic does, at least from my mm-hmm. my limited palate. And the the only reason why I chose automatic over Sierra Nevada is pale ale because the pale Sierra Nevada's pale ale is way more malty and it's after two of them or so, I get it gets a little bit more rich, and I, I can't drink anymore. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's a little too sugary. Yeah, I could not sugary, but yeah, that malt starts to come through as mm-hmm. sugar. Yep. Um. So, oh man, now you're kind of pulling me back that direction because it's a hard <laughs> question. Because this is a different question than what is your favorite beer, right? This it's not. This is not the best beer. This is like what is the beer you can drink for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Man, Creature Comfort should really sponsor this podcast. They really should. Really, they um, they sponsored my professional life for one and a half years, though. So. What can you do? <laughs> oh, her second question is, what's your favorite band tune that gets you pumped up for a Georgia game? Oh, okay. Well, you answer, and then I'll tell you the correct answer. <laughs> it's uh, Bob O'Reilly. That's what it was. Is that a band? T- or, or, oh, I thought we were saying marching band tune. I didn't know we were saying band. Oh, I guess like... it, sh- it should be a marching band tune. Yeah, it's not like a band. I, I was, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should right, actually so what's your do marching? What's your answer to this if it's marching band? Um... Oh, this, it's okay. I think we can answer this both ways. One hundred percent. It's the for me. It's it's most definitely the um the battle hymn. The battle hymn. I could talk like forever about the battle hymn because it, it there is not a time in my life where it does not make the hair on my arm stand up. That that is that is a very correct answer. Yeah, I battle hymn is very important to me. I think it. See, it's like, but the question is, what gets you pumped up? Ugh. See, I think my favorite things that the red, the favorite, my favorite thing that the Redcoats play, not many people hear because they played it at the end of games, and that's Terra. Mm-hmm. The Terra theme from Gone with the Wind. And they say, once a dog, always dog. And they all like hold arms. I'm getting kind of choked up talking about it. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I think pumped up, it is, it is the DSRA. It's choker now, choker yeah. forever. It's, it, it, it's just like choker, just like, it's like a weird, like love hate thing where everyone's played it too much, but you also love it because it's so fun to play so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. yeah, that was always the most fun. It's like when I was uh, when I was in marching band myself as a trumpet, you would always hear, you know, there's always one guy who wanted to try and get away with like, how high can I play the notes? Like, what octave yeah. can I hit? You know, this and that. And you can still hear it today if you're you're listening in the the stadium. You can still hear like one or two dudes who are trying to play over each other and play higher than each other. And I, by dudes, I mean anybody because there are both men and women yeah, in well, the marching band, well, of course. Well, that and that's the thing is like choker is the time where it is so overwhelmingly bad loud Mm -hmm. you can't play i mean a lot of people have played joker poorly and a lot of them listen to this podcast and you know who you are (laughs) 
including some one of the hosts of this podcast have also played choker very poorly but it is one of the times where you're taught as a, a person you know this you're taught as someone who's in band so much to just you know play in control play without you know play without too much power don't overwhelm don't blat don't frack and choker is the one time where you can just lay it on the line man. oh yeah just do whatever you want just totally just lay it out there and like just bust your chops totally mess up your armature what's our next scbc here i can i can pitch you one we got one oh, from boy. okay we got one from austin vaughn and austin was trying to be maybe a little bit controversial mm-hmm. and i i have a defense and and I and I and there's a way that I could see Austin, but I want to let you go on this. Okay. So, Austin asks CVC says, "Why are y'all incorrect in your Athens Brewery preferences? Terrapin is greater than Creature Comforts. Go dogs." Is Austin in the band? Uh, I don't know him. Oh, I thought you knew him. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, I think I, I I'm willing to talk to I'm willing to talk about this and about why some might, some people might think this and be it might be an honest expression of them thinking it. But to define preference. <laughs> Right, it's yeah, what yeah, yeah. you like. Yeah. So yes, we have definitely showed a creature comforts preference. I have a creature comforts bias, and I have a good reason for that bias. And well, let me let me let me say too. So let let me give you my terrapin hot take. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? Yep. And I and I, if anyone here listens to terrapin or works at terrapin, I just want you to know that I've spent so much money on your product. <laughs> so you have no idea the. I mean, like. When I was in college, like about twenty percent of my blood platelets were just terrapin hop executioner. That was that was it. So that this is never I will never speak here at Little Terrapin. Terrapin was the place where I learned to drink good beer. It was the place where I learned to like appreciate different palates. And this is what I will say. Terrapin is a very important force. It has been a very important force for beer in Athens for a very long time. And and for a long time, and I still think to some extent now. Terrapin made some very important beers, even nationally. Mm-hmm. I will say that there was a big infusion of outside money, which a lot of small breweries have taken. And so that doesn't mean that, like, that's not on its face, like, it has to be a bad thing. No, right? it's not. But there was a big infusion of money and from the outside. And since then, the quality control has not been what you would like. I, there was a time where Terrapin Hopsecutioner was... One of the five or ten best IPAs, non-West Coast IPAs, that you could buy in the United States. Like, I, I genuinely believe that. Um, and if you can find it at the right day on the right draft, it's still very, very good. But the it's just not a consistent... That's my whole thing, is that the consistency of what you buy on the shelf is not where it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you why that is, because I don't work there, but it's just not. For me, with most beers and... Since I've stopped working at Creature Comforts, this has kind of uh, reversed itself in a way. But working at Creature Comforts, you you saw behind the curtain, so to speak. You got to see, like, part of my training was to go through and, like, learn about off flavors and learn about what's good and what's bad. And it's one of those things where if I would have never been told that, I probably wouldn't have cared all that much. But I was told that, and then it was drilled into my head. And then I tasted good and bad beer every single week, multiple times a week. And I was made to know what's good and what's bad. That's that's kind of the whole gist of it. And I'm not saying this to say that terrapin's bad, but there are typically, on average, more off flavors present in terrapin beers now, and it's mostly due to... Do you think it's like a canning and bottling thing? It can be. It's it's the, One of the big reasons is terrapin did a lot of things for the beer industry, did a whole lot. Like That is not to be diminished by any means. Terrapin's huge. 
Terrapin made a lot of great decisions and they were trailblazing long before Creature Comforts was even an idea. The thing about bottles, though, there are a few things that are bad for beer. It's heat, it's light, and it's oxygen. Bottles are really bad for all three of those things. Um, And it's one of those things where people don't realize that it's just kind of one of those things people say that it tastes better out of the bottle. It's better like this way, or, you know, cans are cheap or this and that. It's like, no, cans are better for your beer. And it all cans are treated in a way that it's not going to bleed into the beer. And in fact, you have a lesser shelf life on average, just because of the way that beer is shipped and stored in so many different places and on shelves, that bottle is more detrimental to your beer than a can is. That's just a big thing. And it's going to be that way. And that's that's one of the big reasons why Hop Executioner has come off from being one of those top tier beers is because people loved it so much, they tried to make more of it, it sat on the warehouse floor for so long, and then it sat in transit for so long, and then it sat in the store for so long. And eventually people stopped liking it so much because there was just too much of it, and they couldn't sell it fast enough. And so people were getting older and older hops executioner on average over time. And then other well, and people like, started making double IPAs and so on if and so you forth. Go, if you go to Terrapin and buy hops executioner, like out of their... Yes, their, absolutely. Uh, kegs it is still very 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 good yeah that's the hop um, you should it, drink yeah and, and actually like the the in brewery experience in 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 hot i mean i would say that like terrapin was one of the first places in the southeast that had a real focus on like the touring and i mean terrapin was very important to like the way beer tours were done in georgia for a long terrapin, long, long yeah long they're time. a big big reason why we even can drink beer at breweries now and call it drinking yeah. beer and buying beer and buying instead beer of t- to go. T- instead of calling it like a quote unquote tour. Yeah. yeah. They're a big reason why we were even able to legalize the tour system. So right. you cannot yeah. diminish what Terrapin did for the beer industry. And also nobody is correct or incorrect in their tasting preferences. Austin, you can love Terrapin more than creature comforts. And I respect that. Here's, here's what I will say. Like I love creature comforts, but if Terrapin got Hopsecutioner as good as it used to be, like that's just basically all I would drink. I personally think that your taste just changed. <laughs> I mean, they probably did change. And I do have sort of like a Halcyon Days feeling for Hopsecutioner. Mm-hmm. But it is not as good as it used to be. Like, it genuinely is not. You know, a, a wise man once said, uh, I think his name is Andy Bernard, that I wish there was a way to know that it was the good old days before it was the good old days. You know what I mean? Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I also think like it, it still tastes the same to me in the draft. It does not taste the same to me in the cans bottles as it used to. Yep. But anyway, carrying on. Okay. Um, what's our next question? Jim Wood asks, does Dim- Jim Chaney have too many toys in his toy chest? Statistically speaking, of course. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he does. Well, it's like, obje- yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, to this point, as, as of, to this point last year, we are in a similar, um, we are in a similar sort of like realm that we were offensively last year. And yet we have not had one or two dominant players emerge. And I think you can see it in the play calling at, um, at LSU. It's like, you have to ride the hot hand. And I think it's, it's difficult to ride the hot hand when you know, like I have all these other good guys, but I just wish Cheney would be like, okay, yeah, today is Holyfield's game. We could just decide it. Like, you know what? He's been, he's been so well, we're just going to feed him. I mean, do you have any other thoughts on this? No, I think it's true. I mean, it, 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 it feels to me like, there are so many other teams that have one thing they can do well, and mm-hmm. we have a lot of things part, we could do well, unfortunately. Yeah, and part of being a good team is having the one thing you know you can do well. Yeah. And it seems, yeah, it just seems like we have a lot of things we could do well, but there's nothing we're like consistently excelling at. 
because we're doing yeah, well, all and, of the things. Yeah, and that's fine. There's like there's a place for like a truly balanced offense in terms <laughs> of snaps uh, for a good offense. Like it's it's totally possible. But like when you need two or three yards, when you really need to score a touchdown, who are you going to? And that's that. I wonder if we know that. It doesn't seem that, but it you know all of us uh, couch coaches know that. This last question I probably shouldn't ask you now. I think I might even hold it for the the next episode. But uh, in do you want to just like ask me now and I'll just growl? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say in in a single sentence exactly how much do you hate the Gators? Don't hold back. Let me. I'm gonna paraphrase Tybalt from Romeo and Juliet and saying, "The hate I bear them can afford no better turn than this. Thou art a villain." Thank you, Shakespeare. So for our our very last segment tonight, um, so just a quick backstory. James Bearfield, you know, of uh, Dr. James Bearfield's Troll Corner presented by Cheerwine, the one that gives diabetes, TM, TM, TM. He messaged me on Friday after listening to our Thursday episode, and he said, I didn't realize you guys had ads now. I want to get an ad, how much they cost. And so I kind of beat around the bush without giving him a real answer, and we eventually settled on $5. And he said, cool, I get paid on Friday. I will send you the money as long as I can have an ad. And I said, James, you already have your own segment. What more do you want? And he said, you're right. And so he just sent us a bunch of questions for the off week. And so here we are. <laughs> Our favorite segment, the Dr. James Bearfield Troll Corner, presented by Cheerwine, the wine that gives you diabetes, TM, TM, TM. And there's like 10 of these. I don't know if we're going to answer all of them, but we're going to answer the first one. Yeah. How many days till Georgia, Florida? The answer to how many days till the Georgia and Florida trip is always a muddled shout of everyone yelling a different number and then a bunch of dummies yelling 69, even if it's tomorrow. <laughs> Um, so it's whatever sound that is. That's how many days. We have some some political questions that James Bearfield wants to answer. Which poem would you equate to the bye week and why? I would like to request that this one be a Nathan Lawrence original, he says. All right, here's the problem. All Nathan Lawrence originals are like emo poems about girls from high school. And I don't really have one that fits. Sorry about it. I might give you one eventually, but I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with one of the classics. And look, this is a good poem for when your your burdens feel heavy. And you're uneasy in your yoke. Um, and so this is a poem called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. And it's just a reminder to all of you as we go into Florida Week to purify your body, drink lots of water, take time to be with the ones that you love. I, I downloaded a gratitudes app and every day I write down what I'm grateful for and what I have gratitude for. And I think this is a good reminder and that the off week is always a good time to just take a breath. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this poem, which is to me, it's the poetic version of taking a breath. I think it's also, there's an argument to be made that this is the greatest thing ever written by an American, but I don't want to get into all the sound devices in it, but oh my God, it's so good. So I'm not going to do it justice, but we'll see what I can do. So stopping by woods on a snowy evening, Robert Frost, whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me, see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the wood and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Anyway. Next question. Uh, your next question is, why are short stories superior to poems? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, this is a preference question. Well, look, here's the thing. I One way that you might think that short... I would say that poems are flashes. Poems are about moments and stories are about humans. And there's something really inherent to humanity that cries out for us to capture these fleeting moments. Um 
that are so difficult to capture for each one of us. And what poems do is they allow us to kind of encase in amber to put into glass to, to if incompletely still beautifully capture the essence of something uh, without explaining it to death. And I think that short stories are more about, you know, the way humans relate to the world. Short stories, I to me, are the ultimate vehicle for theme. You know, so like if you have something you want to stay about the way humanity works, short stories are a great place to do it. Do you think the LSU game showed that we can't play sloppy and get away with it every game or that our team is not at the caliber we'd like to think it is? The first one. I mean, both. I think I it's guess, a mix of both. Want, yeah. Yeah. If you want the team to be at the caliber where we win 12, day, uh, 12, months a year, or 12 games a year, then yes to both. Yeah. But I think if you're realistic, then it's the second one. Yeah. The first one, you mean? Oh, the first one. Yeah. The first one, yeah. How would you relate Bell's spaceship paradox to our upcoming game with UF? He gives me all these special relativity problems, and it's been so long since I've read them all. I think that uh, we could probably... There's a case to make that Dr. James Bearfield is now executive producer James Bearfield with all the content he's providing. I know. <laughs> Basically, Bell's spaceship is the idea that if two spaceships have a thread stretched between them and accelerate at exactly the same time it would in, it would seem in if you if you took the inertial frame of the spaceships themselves um, it would seem that they are all they would all be subject to the same Lorentz contraction so basically the the string would not snap because basically um, the Lorentz contraction has to do with the fact that as we measure things, as we measure the length of things, we always measure them shorter when things are moving, and that this effect scales up uh, almost infinitely as uh, you approach the speed of light, right? So the idea is that if the whole assembly is going through the same Lorentz contraction, they're all staying together and all it's all sort of accelerating at the same time, that the spring won't break. But that's actually not correct because the distance between the spaceships doesn't undergo the Lorentz contraction. So if both spaceships get shorter, they pull apart from each other, even if they're accelerating at the same time. Um, it also turns out that the, um, okay, this there's this whole big thing about rest contraction and rest fr uh, frames, but that's basically what it has to, do to, has to do with. It has to do with how we measure things when they're moving very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so how, what am I trying to relate this to? The UF game. The UF game? Um, yeah, so this is a game that seems like it should be, you know, from one perspective, seems like it should be easy. And from another perspective, probably is not going to be because it's Florida and they're better than we think they are. And Jacksonville is where sadness goes to live. <laughs> uh, are the Boilermakers everyone's daddy now? Yes. Next question. <laughs> I was going to say that the Boilermakers are kind of like our second dad. Or like we, you know, our, our dad is like dating around and trying to meet like other yeah. dads. And like kind of plays around like goes out to purdue is like mm, i kind of met this nice guy and like i guess i could date him and so boilermakers might be like our daddy for like a week i was thinking the boilermakers were like ohio state stepdad now and that just makes ohio <laughs> state hate them so much they're like iowa i was the team that, that dropped 50 on me last year they're my real dad <laughs> i was thinking you know the boilermakers are kind of the, the dad that we ask like are you going to be my new dad now yeah you know yeah will you be my dad but they won't, you know, because next week they're just going to be right back up to their old antics. So I guess that's our show or some semblance of it. Some some strange adaptation of Chapel Bell Curve. Yeah, some some version. This has been some strange version of Chapel Bell Curve. 
you can find us normally on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. Like it's Spotify like it's stuff. like scalpel. It's like scalpel bell curve. Like what's curve. this one? Like if you squint scalpel your eyes and kind of look at it, it looks the same. Yeah, it's like the spooky, the spooky, scary skeletons bell curve. <laughs> this is our Halloween version of Chapel Bell Curve. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> very scary. <laughs> That's dumb. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve or email us chapelbellcurve at gmail dot com. Uh, you can mail me at. And maybe I'll insert a beep here because that's that's a dumb joke. Hop on Twitter or Instagram and search Chapel Bell Curve there too. If you at us with the hashtag AskCBC tag, then you can also find yourself on the show. Uh, somebody please give James Bearfield a run for his money and ask uh, more or different. Yeah, or like thirty-five. Mix it up. Like thirty-five questions. Yeah, thirty-five I'll questions. Take all. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a lightning round until Nathan goes out of town to dreaded Jacksonville and hangs out on Frat Beach and eats Osteen's shrimp and hangs out with you know the ghost of urban meyer uh you'll catch us in the classic city <laughs> and until then and until then go, go dogs. dogs that's dumb